Hey guys, it's just a pineapple. Hey, what's going on, guys? Here at the swamp, get ready to beat LSU. Y'all tune in to Rule Number One podcast on Monday. And we are back, episode 47. Man, we are sorry to everybody out there. We kind of took a little break from the show for a couple weeks just to kind of, you know, get our things in order for year number two. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're uh, we're super excited to be able to, we kind of took two weeks off to kind of reboot, revamp, get a new game plan, um, and keep making this thing grow. Um, but I think we've got a couple really cool guests scheduled out. Yeah. Um, a couple really cool people, local people, some people, you know, might be in a different state. Um, but y'all will find that out soon enough. Later, later. <laughs> um, but this episode, we have a very important guest. We have Nicole Riley. And she is the marketing and coordinator development coordinator development coordinator for Inheritance of a Hope. So welcome on, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So do you want to explain a little bit what that title is or what it entails? Yeah. So I um, I'm the marketing and development coordinator for our Hope at Home groups for Inheritance of Hope, and a huge part of my role is really getting out and connecting with. Well, first of all, Inheritance of Hope is an organization that serves young families who have a parent who's been diagnosed with a terminal illness, so and their children are young. So um, I think our our requirements, I guess, if you will, are for serving families are those they have, have to have received a terminal diagnosis, and the youngest child in their home is 18 years of age and younger. So really those young families, um, and we offer a variety of different services, but most specifically my role is really talking about our Hope at Home groups, which are virtual support groups for these families um, to be able to have a community where they can come and be able to walk through uh, and meet with other families who are walking through what they're walking through. Um, we have support services for kids where that can come just specifically for a kids group who have a parent who's walking through a terminal diagnosis, uh, young adults, um, teens, and then even uh, spouses that are in families that are living with illness currently and undergoing treatment. And then we have groups for life after loss for those who have lost their spouse to terminal illness. And that's really, I don't want to say that's cool, mm-hmm. but like that's a cool thing that you're doing because you know that's very hard for people to interact when you hear that. Uh, like, so-and-so's got terminal cancer or terminal disease. You know, it's a culture, it's kind of a culture shock. You're world shocked at that point. And having a group of people that can actually reach out and talk to these individuals that are affected by this, you know, and get them through it, man, that's awesome. That is really awesome what you're doing. Um, big thing that we do here on the Rule One Podcast is we ask all of our guests what their number one rule is to live by. I'm really interested to hear yours, especially in this line of work. Yeah, so mine ties in probably a lot to my story and then in, and now to what I do. But um, so what I do now is really tied into a big part of what's impacted mine and Nathan's life. And our, our dad actually passed away to cancer almost 11 years ago now, really, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about. And um, one thing he said over and over before he passed was um, it, when he was sick was stop, reflect, and think about what's most important in life. And I just... Since we, since his passing, that has just been the one thing that continues to cycle and repeat in my mind is just stop and reflect and think about what's most important, what's what's really important here in the stressful part of my day, and or um, you know how might I live life in that way to where we can get so caught up in the day to day or the the little frustrations, but what's really important here, like what's what what really matters. So I I would say that that's probably the the biggest rule that I've really come to live by and how I discern 
the day in and day out of life. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of pretty cool. Um, obviously, I don't think I introduced Nicole as oh, one of my sisters. Sorry, <laughs> um, it's fine. <laughs> but no, it's fine. Uh, y'all, y'all, some of y'all have listened to uh, Aubrey Gordon's episode, the cosmetologist, she's, as well as my sister, and it's kind of cool to hear their uh, their different perspectives of things that my dad said, and both of them used something as number one rule. It's kind of cool because Aubrey's was make it count, and yours is stop and reflect and think what's most important. And for me, one thing that always stuck with me was um, he always told me he was like, "You can control two things in life, son: it's your attitude and your effort." And that's mm-hmm. about anything you can control, anything else, it kind of just goes out the window. So quit worrying about it. Um, but it's kind of cool how it, his vision and his um, and leadership to our lives have showed us different aspects of uh, each personality. Really, I think it's really neat how yeah. siblings can just be like different. You know, yeah. right? Yeah. You grow up in the same environment, <laughs> you have the same parents, you do the same things. Like me and my brother lived together in the same room for 18 years. And me and him could not be more opposite, like more <laughs> bipolar opposite. It's so funny how that happens with siblings and growing up. But it's really cool the influence that your dad has had on all three of y'all. I've met the whole family now. And yeah. to hear each one of y'all talk about him in such high respect, I really wish I could have met him. You know, like, Mm -hmm. especially with Nate being my best friend, see where it comes from. Like, he's met my dad. He sees kind of where my energy comes from and my background comes from. But it's really cool to see y'all keeping his legacy going and keeping his words alive, too. Yeah. Definitely. It's uh, it's kind of funny. The uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before we were all talking about um, what what how I perceived each one of my sisters, and I have three of them. Um, I don't know if you've met Savannah or not. She lives up in Charleston, but okay. we'll not have yet. to. Okay, I got one more to check off. One, one, one more to check off. <laughs> I was about to say we might uh, might have to get her on the podcast too. So had the whole trio. Um, but it, along the same lines, of what you were saying, we were all looking at each other and they're like, so how do you perceive each one of your siblings? And I, you know, me and Savannah are very much similar like my dad in terms of personality and Nicole and Aubrey are very similar to my mom in terms of, you know, very sweet, loving, caring, not that I'm not, but me and Savannah are a little bit more rough around the edges. Like we're kind of saying how it is. You're just and, more direct. Yes. And that's not a bad thing <laughs> no, not at, at all. all. No. But it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, with Inheritance of Hope, how you got into that? I know you've done some other nonprofit work um and kind of your journey up into the point of getting this job yeah sure so and kind of tying in my rule to live by in life it's kind of plays a, a role into that story too so um I I'm also almost 10 years older than Nate too so mm-hmm. I'm the oldest and he's the baby and so it's it's been fun to kind of see just our journeys how alike but different they've been um I went to USF I'm a USF grad and I graduated with a degree in mass communications oh so, same yeah. well, sport oh, communications awesome. but I okay. want to go to USF and get my master's in mass yeah, communications so there you go is it worth it yeah I loved it okay I absolutely loved it my focus was on public relations all right and super thankful to have stayed in that line of work I actually started as a nursing major when I went to school. I remember that. And yes. And Nursing I, major that was scared of blood. <laughs> I was not scared of blood. No, it was the microbiology that I'm like, oh, nope, peace out. I'm done. I can't do all this science. So, and it was about that time. I, so I went through my first full year in, um, as a nursing major and then switched completely to mass comm, which could not be t- more opposite from yeah, nursing. I agree with that. Um, but I had a heart for health and just, and, and, that not, you know, that knowledge and being able to learn a little bit about that. And so, um, that plays a role. So when I switched to public relations, I actually got uh, plugged into a 
group that was focused on young public relations professionals. And they matched you with individuals in the field that were PR professionals to see if you'd like, if you'd be interested in that route. And one of the groups that one of their, actually my PR professional I got matched with was the um, communications director, the PR person for Tampa General Hospital. Oh, that's cool. And so I got to shadow him for the day and got to walk around to see like, okay, there's a way to tie in communications with health that is a, where I don't have to be doing the one-on-one <laughs> yeah. health stuff that they're like, I can still be in the field. Um, and so that just like fueled my fire. Um, when I graduated, I worked for a small nonprofit, a pregnancy clinic and did that for about a year and a half. And then actually got a job with the department of health where I served as their spokesperson up until, and that was with Polk County. Correct? That was with Polk County department of health. And I served there for about seven Seven years, I think, right at seven years, um, and COVID hit, and so I was <laughs> her the, face when she the said lead that. <laughs> spokesperson for the local Department of Health during COVID, and if you want to talk about, but you got some hate. I got a ton. Yeah. It, yes, the department as a whole. Yeah, yeah. and I, um, it was the most grueling experience I have ever like gone through. It was like none other. I was not prepared for it at all, um, and but. I look back at that time and like what I had to go through and it just, it also kind of built a lot of who I was and a lot of pushing through trials. Um, and it just, you know, we went in, I probably worked through COVID for the first year because I think I, I finally left in the fall of 2021 and it was one, it was, there was one day I was working with a reporter and my daughter was home sick from school. And I, you know, we're a year into this at this point, like you said, we're getting a lot of hate and we're working with a lot of reporters that are like really trying to make a story out of something. Push a narrative. Yeah. They're trying to, that's, they, that's exactly what the whole thing kind yes. of was. And so they would ask you a line of questioning that was like trying to get you to respond Trip to that up. line yep. of questioning. And I, I was so angry with this reporter and my little daughter was home and we just had this moment where I just, I snapped, she was coming in while I was on the phone and um, was really upset. She was sick, she was homesick. And I, I just lost it. The pressure had built and I hung up the phone and it kind of chokes me up still to this day. Like I started crying because I'm like, this is not worth it. That stop, reflect and mm -hmm. think about what's most important. Like mm -hmm. this is not what's most important. My daughter is most important. And right in this moment, I had to respond to a work call when I'm supposed to be off. I'm not supposed to be working. I'm supposed to be home with my daughter. And it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. And so it forced me to kind of pivot and change gears. And I left there and went and worked for the same nonprofit that I actually started working with right after college. Um, worked there for another probably year and a half. And it wasn't until the, I, I think it was the start of this year. I just, I don't know, going into this year, I felt like, okay, there just feels like there's a change of season in the air like that might be coming in. I was on Facebook, was not looking for a new job, wasn't really looking to make any changes, and saw on Facebook um, one of my now coworker managers had posted that they were trying to hire for a marketing and development position. And I'm like, hmm. I even sent it to my husband with like the thinking face <laughs> emoji. Like, he's like, well, check it out and see. And I looked into it and it had like marketing credentials and um, it was working for this organization who served our family when my dad was sick. And um, I thought, wow, like, 
this full circle, full complete full circle. Like this makes this, I know the impact that this organization makes. I know that this is a degree to background that I have where I feel like it could serve and um, plug in. And I don't think I could have done it any sooner. Um, just given just grieving and learning and growing that we've, that we've done after losing our dad. And um, yeah, within a couple of weeks, like I, I put that I was interested and applied and, um, and got hired on. And so now Such I a to good, do this. good story. I didn't know you worked at the health department. Yeah. Like I've never seen anything in this country in modern times um, divide people like COVID did. Yeah. I didn't, I'd never seen anything that caused turmoil between people that, you know, were actually friends two weeks ago, but one doesn't want to wear a mask and the other one does. And then they're arguing and screaming at each other, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is nowadays. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just so mind boggling, but you having to be on that inside and having to work with that happening. Like, I, I can't imagine the stress and like the, like the comments that you got. And like yeah. you said, the, the, reporter trying to trip you up with the narrative because it was a big narrative back then. Like you don't know what to believe in. You still kind of don't with it. I think the big issue with that whole deal was they used it and made it political. Yes. Um, Very political. And made one side or the other. You have to, you know, if you're Republican or conservative, you have to think this way. And if you're a Democrat or liberal, you think this way. And I think the problem with it is they made it all political and then it just divided the whole thing instead of actually focusing on the health Mm -hmm. of the, you know, the citizens of this country. I think that, oh, go ahead. No, well, and I think the local, the local health department's focus was really towards the health of the community. And, you know, in working in state government, you have different initiatives that are pushed down. Yeah, in different, different influences. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that's also what was incredibly frustrating is like, you can see the science behind some things, but then also like there's practicality and in, in others. And it just was such a, divided force and was like i cannot do this anymore i kind of navigated the whole like cloud of covid that 2020 year and that 2021 year using common sense right mm-hmm. i was always thinking to myself we, we know we haven't talked about this much because always it's been a hot topic since but like the vaccines right i mean i hate to even get into it but like you know, when I think of a vaccine, I think of the polio vaccine, or I think of like, you know, the smallpox vaccine, something that stops it in its tracks. Like you are not going to get it again. You, it's done. And, you know, I was sitting there, the vaccine's coming out two months time after this disease hit the world. I'm like, man, that's pretty quick for a vaccine to get put out in the world and everything. I was just like, I don't know, I'm not going to take it. Yeah, I got backlash from my family, from friends all over the place because I didn't want to get a shot in my arm. And then, you know, the next thing you know is like, you can still get the disease with the shot. I'm like, yeah, well, then why would I get it? Why am I taking it? Like, I just, it, it's so crazy. Like he said, it turned so political and it split this country in half. And I finally feel like people are starting to get back over it now, but we have another election cycle coming up. <laughs> so who knows what the next, it's going to be COVID-20 and then we're going to be right back in the same thing. Mail-in ballots, people screaming at each other with masks and not masks. Get the shot. Don't get the shot. I'm not looking forward to it, guys. Yeah, it's going to be a mess. I I think so much of it deep down is driven by fear. I mean, we have loved ones who we know people who died from COVID and then others who had serious health impacts from that. And um, I think at the root of it all, whichever, whichever decision people made, it was driven by so much fear. And so, um, yeah, it just, I hate that it was 
so divisive, but also, you know, there's a lot to be learned from it. I look back on that season and like without that, it wouldn't have pushed me to make certain decisions, whether it be career changes or just look at life completely different or have, you know, the guts to step out and do something that I may not have done otherwise. Yeah. Um, push you towards that. It yeah. got like, that's really, that's good though. I mean, you, a lot of people have had negative influences through that, that process right. with COVID and a lot of people had beneficial influences. Like some people use the shutdown to grow their, you know, online presence or their stuff out in the world and they succeeded. And some people like lost everything. Like yeah. small businesses lost everything, but I'm I'm glad to see that had a positive influence on you. You got out of that kind of politicalized health science mm -hmm. world. Now you're actually working with people that you know they're getting affected by real, you know, diseases. I don't, sorry, real like stuff. Like mm -hmm. this is hard on people, and you're actually helping them rather than just trying to, you know. All right, I really don't know what to do here. I got the right side telling me this, left side telling me this. I'm working for the state here in Polk County. I don't know what to do. Yeah. It's easy. It's easier. It's so much. Um, there's more heart to it. Yes. And you're really, we're really able to serve directly individuals who are directly impacted. And given the background, like I've, I've walked that road. We've walked that road and knowing what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to, um, there's a quote that I love that I heard from one of a, a trainer that I follow. And he said, reflection is the fertilizer for growth. Oh, I like that. I love mm -hmm. it. Reflection is the fertilizer for growth. And so it, it's allowed, you know, we've, I, I've, we've walked through a really challenging season and now 10, almost 11 years removed from that. We're able to reflect on that and grow from really hard seasons to then be able to be more purposeful and, and being able to serve and, help others who are walking that that same road yeah you mentioned um <clears throat> that we were a result of some of the um the resources that mm -hmm. the company that you work for um provides um do you want to go in a little bit about how i mean i was very young whenever it um happened and we got to go on that trip and everything do you want to explain a little bit of what those trips look like and explain how we were contacted as family yes so um Nathan and I, our family was served. Our dad, for those who may not know, our dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2020, 2011. But actually, it was 2010, I think. Uh -huh. And um, he was diagnosed and then passed in October of 2012. And so in that time, um, when, our, when he received his diagnosis, we had a family friend that actually knew about Inheritance of Hope. And it, Inheritance of Hope was actually started by a young couple who, um, whose wife was diagnosed with a terminal uh, cancer as well. And they had three very young kids. And they looked and searched to try to find resources for their family, and there were none. There was nothing to be able to support them. There are organizations that serve kids that have cancer or um, you know maybe other illness-related things, but nothing specifically for young families to provide them with resources for how how can we go through this as a married couple, but then also like how can we support our kids walking through this because they're grieving and they're hurting too. And so they started Inheritance of Hope. And so when we were able to go on the retreat, um, well, so 
early, in the early years, they offered what they called legacy retreats, which were their weekend, these weekend retreats in different cities. Um, Orlando and Disney was one of them, and then New York at the time was also one of them. And we had the opportunity to go to New York City with our family um, and have just a weekend for, of community, of other families who were walking the same road we were walking. And so not only did we get to have a trip to build memories with one another as a family, but we also had others who were pouring into us and being able to walk us through maybe some of what we were feeling and what we were going through and how we were navigating that. And so we didn't feel so alone. Um, and so for a while, Inheritance of Hope really just offered these retreats, which are phenomenal and wonderful. We still offer those retreats to this day. Um, but through a change and through as the organization grew and developed, they saw a need to branch out those services. And then actually a huge catapult for that was COVID. Mm-hmm. So when you have other families and other individuals who are who have a terminal diagnosis and cannot go out and cannot be face-to-face with people, they couldn't go on these retreats that they offered. And so they started opening up um, virtual options. So instead of that particular year of COVID, instead of offering a legacy retreat, they decided to open what they call a Hope at Home weekend. And so it was like a a virtual version of a retreat. And so they... um, Got in their Zoom screens, we sent packages to families so that they could experience the love of a retreat, but from the comfort of their home and the safety of their home for those who who couldn't get out. And so as COVID kind of went through and passed, it was like, okay, there's something here. Like there's this, this is, there's an avenue that we can tap into um, to serve more families and expand what we offer. And so from that, they actually grew Hope at Home groups, which are um, weekly virtual support groups that serve. We have, um, we have, I think, five to seven groups that meet. Um, we have a teens group, um, a young kids group, a teens group, a young adult group, and then um, a living with illness or like a, a, a diagnosis-specific group. So like we have a group that's metastatic breast cancer for those who are specifically walking that road. We also have a group for, um, uh, I think, GBM, which is glioblastoma. I believe. Um, Anyways, diagnosis specific. And then we have groups that are life after loss groups. So for parents and for kids who have lost that loved one to cancer and how they're navigating the road then after loss. And so what these Hope at Home groups did was it opened up a whole new window for us to be able, like when we went on our retreat, it was like, I still remember talking to our, my manager today. It's, it was like a waving bye, like, okay, oh my gosh, we got to serve this family. We got to stay connected. But it was like, bye, see you later. And that was, there was a little bit of connection afterwards. Yeah. But there was, there was nothing really further from that. And so Hope at Home Groups really provided an avenue to be able to stay connected with families and to really serve them. And I, I tell them this often now that I'm working in this group. It's like, man, I wish we had the kids group going like, because Nathan and I are 10 years apart. So like even for Nathan and our younger, my younger sister, or for, for us, the young adult group, or for my mom who was experiencing life after loss, like now seeing what we offer, I, I just love that we've grown to be able to serve families in that way. Sounds like you're building a support network. Yes. Right? Um, I, I don't want to get like 
y'all emotional here, but was your dad still with y'all when y'all went to New York or was he? Yes. He was still, so that's, that's really cool too. Cause I was going to make the point, like you're bringing these people together that have these terminal illnesses. Right. And you know, it's a way that these people can talk to one another that are diagnosed. Like, Hey man, how are you dealing with it? Hey man, like, what are you, what are you thinking like your plan is going to be if you know, the worst comes to worst. Like, it's really cool to think that, you know, you're bringing these like-minded people, individuals that are in the same exact kind of you know scenario mm -hmm. and they're able to kind of share like hey i'm getting through it by doing this or hey i'm getting through it by doing this and setting this up and that's, that's that's so cool like you know that's a really really big thing that you're doing for families well and there's we had such a wonderful support network like from our church and family friends but there's something to be said to also have a group of people who are walking that same yeah. road and know the feelings that you're feeling without even having to name them. And so we talk about it a lot. You know, we offer a community that gets it, that has yeah, gone yeah. through that and um, feels that. And I think that's what's so special to now serve in the role, in this role is having walked that and having been served by this organization and then coming full circle to be able to offer that to somebody else. And you could tell people that you get it too, because mm -hmm. you've been there mm -hmm. and you know, it. you can always tell them your experience like, Hey, I know it's always going to be there that you, you lost this individual and it's always going, you're always going to miss them. But, you know, you can always explain to them like, hey, it'll be okay. Like you can keep moving on. You can keep learning and you can keep him alive by, you know, telling his rules that you've learned from him or, yeah. you know, tell stories. that I hear stories from Nate all the time about his dad and it cracks me up some of the ones that he tells me about. <laughs> oh, he was a hoot. I mean, <laughs> if you ever also want to know what my, like, it's just really cool too because you may not remember or see it as much, but Nathan is like the walking image of our I've dad. Seen, no, I've seen yeah. a picture of him. I'm like, yo, I don't know why, like, I don't want to, I'm talking to the guy right here. It's the same thing. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much of a spitting image of my dad, and we have a lot of characteristics that we're very yeah. similar to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what what's also cool about the, the retreat is you get to go and you get to connect with other families um, that relate exactly to what you're going through. But also... I mean, you've got Orlando at Disney World, and then yeah, for right. us as Florida people, we you know we had the opportunity to go to New York, um, and be able to connect with those people and go go to your little sessions. I think I was ten or eleven whenever we went, so it was a little fuzzy for me to remember, mm -hmm. but I do remember going down you know the streets of New York City and being able to see all that as an eleven year old or yeah. however old I was, mm -hmm. um, and then on top of that, we did it during um, Thanksgiving, so we had the opportunity to watch live the Macy's Day Parade, mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, I'm sitting there you know 11 years old and seeing you know spongebob a thousand feet ahead <laughs> of spider-man across yeah. the city of new york i mean it's just an awesome awesome experience and being able to do that for a kid that you know all they think about is you know i, I hope dad's gonna make it out or mom's gonna make it out and being able to have that and be like man i'm getting to see one of the coolest places in america right now yeah. which is really cool it takes your mind off of the like constant reality mm -hmm. that then is laid on your family, like the illness, like, cause it's all you think about. It's all you do. Even as kids. I mean, even though we, we were not so much in the direct support role, maybe me a little bit more than you were at that given time, but like you can step outside of the world of illness and sickness and mm -hmm. have just make incredible memories. And that was, I mean, thinking back to it now, that was our last family trip yeah. because he ended up passing later that next year. And that was the last time all six of us 
got to have just our family time. And so it was incredible. And one of the biggest missions of Inheritance of Hope is really leaving, we're empowering families to leave a legacy, like, and to build a legacy for your family. And so being able to have that as a legacy to remember and to, to see like what my dad stood for and who he was and how he was, um, and how, what he instilled in each of us, like we were talking before, like there are little nuggets that each of us were able to take from him and then now I'll use that as a motivation to do the things that we're doing in life it's just really cool yeah it was it was very cool to see you know a little bit about dad and and you know I've talked about my dad a couple times um on the podcast but it was kind of cool the uh you know the song um live like you're dying by um Tim McGraw is it Tim McGraw yeah Yeah. and uh he kind of like took that to heart so whenever he was going through this he he wasn't somebody that would sit down and be like you know I don't feel good and he was somebody that you know got up and he was like everybody's helping me so I got to go out there and help people very strong Christian so he went out and he every time he was blessed by somebody he would go and try to bless other people with it Mm -hmm. um and so whether it was the knowledge that he had from you know these support groups or people reaching out to him and be like hey how are you doing he would take that energy and bring it right back and push it out he's like i'm fine i love y'all but i want y'all to be set (laughs) you know in the future but as it was very super cool to be able to see have inheritance hope and support us um through that being on the working side of that now how do y'all reach out to these families so are you you get like a contact list or do they reach out to you or how do you market your program that's an awesome question so it's a couple of different avenues really um, and that's a huge part of what my role has been brought on with our, our Hope at Home group. So we, family served are ones that are, we kind of interconnect them. So like if a family comes and joins a legacy retreat, like Nathan and I had been on, they have the opportunity to then get connected to our Hope at Home groups or get connected to a Hope at Home weekend in the future if they want to come back or a Hope Hub. There's a bunch of different offerings that they have. And so think of it like a wheel uh, in a way, you know, you have legacy retreats, home groups, hope hubs, and then hope home weekends. And there's arrows that go all the way around. So like some can enter into the cycle through hope at home groups, and then maybe they make their way to a retreat, or then they get plugged into a hope at home weekend or something like that. So there, there's the interconnectedness that we have through the community where they can get plugged in. Um, but a huge part of my role is really to use opportunities much like this podcast, or even connecting with hospitals or hospice centers, churches, um, other organizations who are face-to-face meeting with these families or have contact with these families who can then refer Mm -hmm. Inheritance of Hope to say, I know this great organization. They offer X, Y, and Z. Why don't you check them out? And all of our services are free for families, even their retreats. I think they have to um, pay their travel to go for the the legacy retreats, but everything is taken care of once, once they're, they're there. there, and and same thing with our hope at home groups. Like they are they are at no cost to families, so it's as easy as hopping onto a Zoom call at eight o'clock at night or seven o'clock, depending on what time zone you're in, um, and just being present with a community of individuals. So really, my focus now is really to help connect those referral entities, if you will, um, connecting with the cancer centers, connecting with um, the, maybe the ALS facilities, because there's more than just cancer yeah, for yeah, terminal yeah. Di- diagnoses. And so, um, yeah, to be able to pave that road to where these organizations can say, hey, I know about 
I know about this great organization who can just be a support network to you at mm-hmm. no cost to you. I really think it's cool that you do more than just cancer, mm-hmm. right? Because yes. there's a lot of organizations that are just cancer-based. You're like, yeah. make a wish. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much, you know, most of the time it's about childhood cancer and stuff like that. They don't do really do a our ALS victims and stuff yeah. like that. But that's really cool that you take all of it all the terminal stuff into consideration. And you never know who you can connect. You know, you might find, you know, Miss Susie, her husband was diagnosed with ALS out in California. And Mr. Bob, his wife has it down here in Miami, Florida, you know, and they get to talking and, all right, this is how I help so-and-so go through about the day. This is what I do to help calm them down or help them out. Like, it's really cool that you're building a network Mm -hmm. of support through different types of, you know, realities, pretty much, you know, realities for these people. And that's cool. That's cool. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, we, we have a diagnosis-specific group for ALS, okay. too, uh, as well. And so, you know, it's really powerful to see these other families who are walking through that. Um, I have I have the honor of being able to serve and help facilitate our Life After Loss group, and that's with spouses who have lost their loved one to a terminal illness. And there are some widows in there who, are, who have had a spouse that have passed from ALS and some from cancer and others from, you know, there's a different variety. And so to see those, especially those that are in there who have, who can really bond to that mm-hmm. specific illness and then um, support one another, even after that, to look at what life looks like when you have to pave the road to move forward in life because life doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, once you lose that one you love, it keeps going and you have to learn what it's like to live life then moving forward. And um, it's just incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. It's a really cool organization. So I'm a very business-minded um, person. Some of y'all have noticed that through <laughs> the uh, the podcast, and I ask kind of the nitty-gritty questions. Um, obviously, it's a nonprofit organization, and it is free of charge to the um, the consumer. How do y'all raise your funds? So is that um, through some kind of fundraiser? Do y'all do donations? Dona- yeah, donations. Mm-hmm. Um you know, do y'all have government funding? How does that, how does that work? We are completely funded through, um, gifts or charity, charitable gifts or through donations. Um, there may be a few grants in there, but the, it really is through direct donations. Um, we have some pretty incredible partnerships too with big name organizations and big individuals. Um, but also from just personal pockets from people who have either gone through, our, some of what we offer or have gone through some of our programs um, who have felt led to give, or maybe it's others who are connected through churches or through a different community who, who've been impacted by what we do and, and who we are and, um, and give in that way. And so we are fully funded by generous donors and nice. are always looking for generous donors. Too. <laughs> say, how, uh, I got to put that plug in yeah, there. Just yeah. a little bit how might one of our listeners um, find y'all and how might they, uh, if they feel empowered to give, how would they do that? Yeah. So they can go to our web website at inheritanceofhope.org. Um, we have a tab specifically for donors. We also have a tab for volunteers. If anyone's interested in who have may have been impacted by this or um, want to volunteer in some way, there's an opportunity to apply to volunteer. Um, whether it be at one of our retreats or um, to help facilitate some of our Hope at Home groups. Um, lots of different ways we can we can get some volunteers in there. Um, and then we're also on social media to um, Inheritance of Hope on Facebook and then Inheritance underscore of underscore hope on Instagram. Um, this might be a hard question for you to answer. Like uh, how many families do you think you guys are like helping out? year round like how many people do you think you connect with then 
Oh, that's a good question. And a number I don't know that I have off the top of my head. I know specifically in our groups. Oh, I'm going to, I don't want to butcher this. You don't have to answer. We, you, we at least, I want to say we serve at least 50 yeah. in our groups. And I, that could even be more or less. I could be, I could be off on that number. Are y'all based here in Florida? We're national. National, So okay. we, um, so even the groups that we have, we, you get to hop on from anywhere. And, and so it's a, like a video. Yes, through Zoom. Zoom. Call. Yeah, okay. we do them through Zoom, and so that's some of what we found through COVID too. Offering it through Zoom, we actually had other individuals who were able to hop on, either from if they couldn't get out of bed, they could hop on from home, or they could hop on from a hospital room, even, mm-hmm. um, or in anywhere and everywhere. So we have uh, we offer our um, groups in Eastern Standard, like we base it on Eastern Standard Time. But we, I have individuals all the way on the West Coast that hop onto our group or in, um, like, Minnesota area, too, like mid, Midwest. And, um, yeah, so we are national. Yeah, that's, that's big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds big. Definitely be able to serve all those people. It's a it's an awesome opportunity. Um, I think it's a perfect time to kind of move into our snap questions, which gets to know more of you personally. We talked yeah. about, you know, some of your careers and how it's affected your personal life. Um, but these questions get to know Nicole um, Riley as a person. Um, so without further ado, um, if you could have three people out to dinner that are alive, who would your three people be? Tough to narrow down to three. <laughs> See, a lot of times we have guests that can't come up with three. Or we have guests that, as soon as we ask that question, it's like they're, like, boom, oh, boom, I boom. heard this. Y'all asked it last episode. Boom, boom, boom. Let's do it. <laughs> they're targeted right Yeah. <laughs> I would say number one, I think goes probably without saying, would be our dad. Mm-hmm. Um, Understandable. Just so much, and so much has changed in life too in 11 years. Like that I, so much that I would ask him now that I didn't know to ask then. Um, that'd be number one for sure. And then number two, okay, I would love to go to lunch with Hoda Kotb. She is she is. is a host on um, the Hoda and Jenna show on like on today on the Today Show, mm-hmm. and she she's a big country music lover. But then she also um, just has this incredible story. She's adopted two of her children. She has two girls, and um, she just exudes so much kindness and love and her outlook on life is just so unique i would love to just sit and talk with her like you watch her on interviews and it's like oh i could sit down and be we could be bffs <laughs> yeah. yeah go get a call i have a couple of celebrity friends yes. or i say friends celebrity people like that i'm like yeah me and him be i just tight. In, yeah <laughs> i just admire her so much um and so i would i would love to just learn from her and just talk with her and then last i would say would be the rock Dwayne oh, Johnson. Okay. Dwayne Johnson. I, don't I think we've had that one. Better have a big oh, dinner. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Some waffles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, His breakfasts are very big. <laughs> he is just like a powerhouse and he has done so much. Like he's achieved so much in his career, like so much versatility from WWE. Yes, football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a football then, star. Yes, and then now and a movie star yeah, and acting. not just like big honcho man movies like disney like jo- jumanji or whatever yes, he was in jumanji yeah. yeah and even the tooth fairy like when he was the football yeah. player like with the little girl <laughs> like he's got game plan too yep. yes yeah and so um yeah just and he and he's a, a girl dad and i just love watching him with his girls i'm a i am am a girl mom we have two girls and so just love watching him and I, and 
Yeah. His clothing line, too. I have, like, three or four of his oh, shirts. Yeah. Like his iron, workout gear. Iron Paradise stuff. Yeah. yeah. And he's got an energy drink and tequila brand. Oh, God. Yeah, the Terramana tequila. The Terramana tequila. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. It, it is very good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. I, uh, th- yeah, that's definitely a really good uh, good group. You know, you have dad, you know, one something, somebody that we have had people come on and talk about, you know, past um, relatives or whatever. And then um, what was her name again? The second person? Hoda is Hoda Kotb. Her last name is a little hard to pronounce, but Hoda is. I feel like that's a really cool, interesting three. You know, you got a little, a little wisdom. Bit different. It's yeah. variety. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Want to get the next one? Yes. Um, I like this one because you're into this uh, this line of work. If we were to give you hundred grand, me and they, from the Rule One Foundation, mm-hmm. what would you do with it? Oh, it's okay to be a little selfish. Yeah, you can be selfish <laughs> with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, it'd be nice to you know use use that. But I, honestly, and I don't say this because I'm employed by that. I would give to certain organizations, mm-hmm. Inheritance of Hope being one of them, because I've experience so much of like what we have to offer and have walked that and then now get to see that on like the employer side of things like I know how far that could stretch and I've seen the opportunities like money like that could provide a weekend retreat for x number of families you know like it could provide a retreat in and of itself and so um my, my husband and I talk a little bit about that. Like, if we win the lottery, like, what would we do? But really, like, I would love to see something like that be used for good in this world to, like, impact and make a change. I feel like it's a good amount for a question because, you know, 100 grand is, not, I mean, nowadays. It's not life-changing. Yeah, well. it's not right, life-changing, right. but it can be, it could do some good use for you. Some people are like, yeah. I pay off my college loans and I do this yeah. and I could do this. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool some of the answers we get from it. Yeah. I, like I mean, it would always be fun to utilize that personally and invest it. Just but go blow it all on yeah. a boat. <laughs> <laughs> my, but my personal dream, like I would love to be successful in a way that like not to necessarily have it for myself, but I just have this heart that I want to be able to yeah. give, give it away and do. Yeah. And see just some incredible things done with that. Yeah. Because we can't take any of it when we leave. <laughs> That's my <Yeah>. motto. <laughs> there's, a, there's, Amigos, <laughs> there's Amigos song back in the day. Or no, no Money in the Grave. Drake, you can't take it with you. You, no. have, you can't bury yourself with it. Yeah. Yeah. If you take it with you, I'm digging you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sorry, Brian, uh, this is mine now. <laughs> we ain't gonna get. We gonna have two quarters and a dollar bill yeah. in there to bury beside <laughs> me right now. I'm gonna write IOU <laughs> on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, our final question it kind of brings a uh, episode full circle. You know, we ask you what your number one rule is to live by. Well, this last question kind of brings everything around. Um, if you were to die tomorrow, what would you want people to remember you by? Mm. Yeah, what would you want your legacy to be? Which I love that, you know, my motto is kind of stop, reflect, and think what's most important. And I'm so fortunate and thankful to be able to do what I do now because it aligns so fully with what I believe in and the impact that I want to leave this world. Like, I, it means so much to me to love people well. And, like, as a believer, I believe, you know, I feel like as Christians, we're called to love God with all your heart and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Like, how can I be a lover of people and how can I be intentional in the way that I love and serve and care for others? Um, my kids, my, my spouse, my family. Um, that's what I want to be remembered for is to be intentional and to reflect on the important things in life and see that it's not worth fighting over stupid crap and it's not worth all of these things that I feel like we can get so caught up in in a day-to-day because um, life is short 
And it is so precious. And when it's spent on focusing on those important things and doing things that you love with those that you love and getting to create those memories, getting to create that legacy, like that's, that's what I want to leave. It's, uh, I, I always say this. It amazes me how similar people's answers are mm-hmm. with, to that question. Like, I want to be remembered for giving and loved. And I want to be, but one of them was like, I just want to be remembered as a guy that helped people out. Like, yeah. I think it's so crazy when you, you see these mass groups of people, right, that identify with certain beliefs and problems and things that, you know, are like kind of crazy. But like, when you talk to these people individual, one by one, you, I guarantee if you ask that, question to everybody in the world it's going to be some variation of that i want to be remembered as a good person mm-hmm. i want to be remembered for this i want to be remembered for that and i just think it's really cool how that, that's a really good question that nate developed I came up with that you end with that every yeah. episode and yeah. i think kind of brings the, it all answers. around i the answers <laughs> to it yeah because there is hope out there there are nice people out yes. there <laughs> like it's not say, it too have, crazy it might have something to do with the uh, the caliber of people we invite on the show yeah. as well <laughs> yes yeah but that's that speaks to what you guys are doing too and just how you're how you're making an impact with this podcast like i love that you reach out to and have so many different walks of life but then all have such a heart to be able to share and give and do so kudos to you guys too thank you appreciate it and uh if y'all are interested on coming to the show or think you have a cool story to tell you can always message us on instagram or tiktok or however email rule one podcast at gmail.com yeah and contact reach out um if you have any people that you would like to see on the show also let us know um and i know you mentioned y'all's socials um you want to shout out the uh the inheritance of hope stuff and how they could get in contact with you yeah inheritanceofhope.org on our website and that really is probably the best landing page for all like with um, volunteer links and donation links or even just learning more about who we are and what we do Um, we're also on Facebook at Inheritance of Hope and on Instagram at Inheritance underscore of underscore hope and a cool thing that we do on our uh, social media is we follow back every single one of our guests um, and so we'll be following back Nicole so if y'all want to see her personal stuff um, you can go to our following list and we'll have her following Inheritance of Hope as well that way on Instagram so they can get in contact there if they need to yeah a little two for one action yeah well appreciate you coming on Nicole it's been an awesome episode and and we were glad to be able to kind of get your message out and Inheritance of Hope message out as well I could be back in the saddle again after this little break yeah fresh away from it all welcome back guys right thank you for having me (laughs) definitely and uh we will see y'all next week peace we got a good one next week too football